hello, and welcome into another episode of Box Office Quarterbacks, where we do some good friends and real talk. We've got a very, very special guest today. We've got Steve Solis from Seattle, Washington, but we met him back in Albuquerque when Jeff worked with him at a news station there. But it is so great to have you with us, Steve. How are you? I am doing really well. I'm really, honestly, very excited to be with you guys tonight. Oh, yeah, we're very excited to have you. Yeah, I'm happy to um, talk with my friend again. I'm happy to to finally get you on this show, Steve. Um, and I, I'm really excited about the movie we're talking about, too. I am, too. I've seen it a few times. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> So, so you've uh, kind of had an acting career that's kind of uh, really taken off the last two years. I mean, uh, El Camino first, and now uh, Army of the Dead. So, so what's the story about how you landed these roles? Obviously, um, KOB was heavily involved with uh, El Camino a little bit here and there, but I'm interested to see how you got involved with Army of the Dead. Yeah, Army of the Dead was just uh, one of these things where I, there are multiple casting companies in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and they're constantly looking to cast for different movies, different roles. And an email went out to some of us news peeps in New Mexico to say, hey, uh, there's this film coming out. They didn't give very many details. They just said they were looking for uh, a couple of news anchors. And if we'd be interested to let them know, I did that. Uh, And then within a couple of days, I had um, uh, an email saying that I was selected and uh, more details will be coming soon. And this movie was filmed in Albuquerque, correct? So did you, did like being there already at that time, what did that help? Do you think? Oh, most definitely. I think that's one of the, the Albuquerque, New Mexico is one of the places where if you are considering going into film, whether it's in front of the camera or behind it, this is where you need to be. And I, I don't say that just because I've had the opportunity to be uh, in productions, but, I've talked to people behind the scenes. I remember I was doing this one production uh, for a, it was a TV show, and we were going from the base camp to where we were going to shoot our scenes. And I'm listening to a conversation between two people, and one of the women who was just working uh, as a uh, assistant director on our production, she had said that she got a chance to uh, not only um, work do some camera work for better call Saul, but she was also able to touch the camera and, and get some, some um, feedback from the director of photography, which she'd said, and I will never forget this. She said, I would never have gotten that chance in Los Angeles. And so the fact that it's that, I don't want to say easy, but it's easier in Albuquerque. I would say that is really the place to be if you really want to get into it. Well, it's a smaller community uh, in terms of the film industry there. So is, is it a little bit easier, you think, to build connections there as opposed to being in L.A., which is just a, a film capital and just so massive? Yeah, and I think there's also like a trade-off. So clearly in Los Angeles, there's everything's happening there, or at least it originates from there. And at least in Albuquerque, while, yeah, it's going to be easier to make connections and get your foot in the door, you are limited to just whatever comes to your state. So... I can see the trade-off, but I mean, I think that Albuquerque is doing a good job in positioning itself to become a place that does draw more production in the future. Yeah, and uh, just at the station that that me and Steve worked at together, like uh, film crews and location scouts would go in there and look at our studio and, um, 
you, you know, we, we'd see that all the time. I remember uh, Zack Snyder walked in one day just randomly and I got so starstruck that like, I, I didn't even know what to say. Um, it's just like, um, yeah, it's really exciting uh, to kind of live in this community. And then obviously Breaking Bad is a huge thing still um, years after that has ended. Yeah, it, it, there we've had, even if you look back to El Camino, that set that I did my broadcast from, that was the old set from the station, the legit set. They rebuilt the entire thing on a soundstage. I mean, it's it's such a great place to be. And I think uh, we've kind of gotten all the, you know, there, there's kind of this competition, I feel like, for what's the second biggest film hub besides L.A., uh, you have Atlanta, you have Albuquerque, and I think New Orleans can kind of be on that list too. And I feel like we've kind of brought guests on from each of those markets so far, Jeff, right? Yeah, because we had we had Michael on, uh, who was a local actor, and he just kind of went through everything. Like Atlanta has gotten really big in, in the past few years because um, Marvel Studios does predominantly all their work down there. So, uh, But Albuquerque's ramping back up again. Uh, Better Call Saul is filming right now. So, like, yeah, it's exciting times, and it's good to see, honestly, after the year we went through. Oh, yeah. And also with uh, Atlanta, you have uh, Walking Dead is consistently shot just about every single season there. And uh, then Tyler Perry also built a massive film studio there uh, not long ago. Yeah, well, more more big cities and states are going to continue doing stuff like that when they realize how much money it brings in, especially like Atlanta gives – all those big movie companies, um, production companies, tax breaks and different little incentives to really film there. And I'm not too familiar with the New Mexico situation, but I'm sure they do some of the same. Um, but I mean, that's generally why. You, and then also just the scenery in general. I mean, you can make a lot out of New Mexico. You can make a lot out of New Orleans. <laughs> so, Yeah. So, so Steve, like when I watched the movie, I was keeping an eye out for your cameo. And it, it was so cool to see that it, it came at a really pivotal part of the movie. It's um, kind of when they find out that the, um, the, the bombing has been moved up. It, it was really cool to see you uh, kind of at, at the climax of, of the entire movie. I was honestly wondering, first off, I wondered if they'd even keep my scene because all we got myself and my fellow news anchor, uh, Casey Messer, who's also uh, lives there in Albuquerque. She, uh, we just got, what the one page that was sent to us so that's all we knew um and so to see it come at that point and, and come out the way it did i mean it's, i told someone asked me well, where are you in the movie i'm like look if you're if you can't figure it out you either went to the restroom or you fell asleep like I, it's a pretty obvious so i that's i'm just thrilled that it turned out the way it did <laughs> well it's kind of funny uh when when jeff told told us we, we had booked you for this show. Uh, I was kind of like, oh, Jeff, we can't do that because uh, we kind of like had an unwritten rule when we first started this podcast. Like, you know, maybe we probably shouldn't bring people who were involved with the movie we're discussing on because there's a chance we might not like the movie. And then we're, we're going to trash it in front of the said individual who was employed by it. And that's really kind of unethical and a little wrong at the same time. But fortunately, we're not going to run into that issue with this one because, uh, I think we all, as we talked about before we came on air, we all liked this movie quite a lot, didn't we? Yeah, it's my favorite movie of the year. Like, uh, 
it, it's such a good action movie too. And for, for a two hour and 30 minute movie, it doesn't feel that long. And that's a good thing. Uh, Zack Snyder's released two movies this year and this is the better one by far. I, I would say. Yeah, Zack Snyder's done a good job, and he does a good job uh, making, like, giving you surprise twists, making the movies a little bit different than what you're used to. I mean, this is a zombie flick, and we've all seen zombie movies, right? I mean, we've seen a Zack Snyder zombie movie, nonetheless. But he took two really interesting concepts in a zombie movie and a Las Vegas heist movie and blended them together very well. I think it's just so fascinating to see how how receptive fans are to seeing Zack Snyder do... um a zombie flick again. It's almost like he took what he learned from Dawn of the Dead and applied it to this movie and, and improved on it because this felt very original, which I loved. And it's a concept that's been done a million times too. So I, I, I just feel like in a way, and I, you know, I guess this is somewhat of a sports show too. You remember when we did the NFL draft special and we talked about how it's better for Mac Jones to go to the new England Patriots because the fans aren't going to be toxic about him getting drafted there as opposed to if, if he would have gotten drafted by the 49ers where the fans were kind of not being welcoming to the idea of him being drafted there. Well, it's like, I feel like fans are so receptive of Zack Snyder being in the zombie dra- genre and he's doing it so well with the two movies, movies he's done that I almost want him just to stick, just make zombie movies for the rest of your life, and I'd be very entertained, and I'd be very excited every single time he makes one. Yeah, Ryan, it was definitely very good, and I do agree. So I want to talk a little bit about Steve's part in this movie. I know it's very quick, but it's very awesome at the same time. So you mentioned all you were given was one page. Is is that really all it was given? You didn't know anything else about the movie? There's no little secrets you want to let out? <laughs> No, there were there was nothing else released to myself or Casey. I remember uh, I remember shooting the scenes. It was a, a early Saturday morning. Uh, it was actually shot at the KOB Studios, um, and uh, we were given the scripts beforehand. But thankfully, thank goodness, the scripts were also in, in the prompter, uh, which you know for me as a news anchor really helps. Um, but it, it was a very bare bone situation. We shot it on station cameras. We, we essentially saved it into the computer system to the station to then transfer over. Uh, Zach himself, uh, directed the scene. Um, other producers, I think his wife was there. Other producers were there. Um, and you know, it's, uh, well, first off, Zach is a very nice person. Like he's just very, uh, he introduced himself as if I didn't know who he was, uh, but was just very um, directive in giving the directions to both myself and my co, uh, not my co-anchor, but the fellow anchor. Um, and so we had no clue what exactly it was we were doing other than what we read. And so then to take what we read and then watch it play out, it was just fantastic. And I also want to say, too, just about Zach, what, what's really I think it's so interesting about this is that this has been a vision of his for such a long time. And so thankfully no one bit at it right away, which gave him more time to kind of let it, you know, cook, I guess, in that slow cooker of his brain. And, and we finally got what we got. So, so Steve, I know uh, when we, we were talking when you, when you did El Camino that, you know, they gave you the script and they kind of let you improvise uh, did they, did Zach give you any leeway uh, when it came to uh, this movie? 
I, a little bit. I didn't. The great thing is, I didn't want to touch the script too much because um, I, I, it felt newsy. You know, the thing about the the El Camino script when I originally got it was it was a little clunky, and thankfully Vince was nice enough to kind of take some suggestions. I didn't have to really touch Zach's script at all because it felt it felt newsy, and also there was this tone to it that was kind of kind of snarky, uh, which I kind of was allowed to do. I was about allowed to be a little snarky. And I think I, I saw that when I delivered it that way in one of the takes or a couple of the takes. And I remember after the first take, it was a little snarky. And when Zach said cut, he and the producers were laughing because they thought it was so funny that this is exactly what they wanted was this snark where I, would took, I paused before I said, quote, really cool. Because that's kind of what he was looking for. And um, no, I, I think that Zach did a great job with it. And I wasn't going to touch what I thought was perfect. Quote, really cool. It is pretty cool, though, to like, know that you know these guys who are writing the movies can also probably one day just turn to be a production and write a 5 p.m. newscast, right? <laughs> <laughs> or it's scary because it might put one of us out of a job. Yeah, Je- yeah. Jeff, watch out. They're going to take over. <laughs> Zack Snyder's going to take over the 5 p.m. KOB newscast. <laughs> Back to the noon show for me, I guess, right? <laughs> no, I, I was very satisfied with just the, the news writing of this. You're right, Steve. It did feel very newsy when I was watching. And, it, you know, Jeff had kind of prepped me for this and was like, hey, you know, he's going to come in a pivotal role in the movie. And then when it finally happened, it was very late in the movie, too, by the way, when, when you finally appeared. And it kind of had a really good build to it because there were several other news scenes in there before you came in. And then when we finally got you, I was like, oh, oh, that was perfect. Yes. What I am wondering is how long has this um, quarantine zone been down? Because someone was still paying the cable. For the- <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know, I, and because it did come so late in, in the scene or in the movie, I got to say, I, I, I didn't post much about this because I didn't know, I didn't know if things were going to be kept because I got, I got a, a little peek behind the curtain. I got an email um, back in January, I want to say, or maybe even sometime in winter, and um, it was someone from the production team to say, "Hey, are you in Albuquerque? Because we may need to reshoot a couple of things." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm here, so just let me know." And then about a week later, I got an email back saying, "You know what? Never mind." Zach was able to make it work. So I don't know what that was all about. And so that left some doubt in my mind until the, the week it hit theaters. I went to, by myself to a movie theater uh, here in Seattle to see it, to see, if, like, am I still in the movie? Um, so, yeah, I was glad to see that it came. But the later it got in the film, I thought, okay, that's it, 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 it. I'm not in the movie. And then to see it, I was like, oh, okay, good, good. We're good. Now, had Zuck came to you and asked you to be a zombie news anchor or turn into a zombie at any point, how quick would you have said yes? I would have had to say no. I think that, like, even just doing the straight news anchor in film, in TV, I mean, that, it's kind of, it's, it's, it toes such a delicate line. I, I think that sometimes, you know, people look at it like, oh, your credibility shot because you were in a movie. And it's like, no, I'm not doing anything salacious. I'm doing it essentially the same thing I'd be doing if it were a real news story. But I think once I, you know, start learning how to be a shambler or anything along those lines, then I think that's when I've, I've crossed that line. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't disagree. I have a I have a good friend that's done a few. I know he was in the uh, Hot Tub Time Machine too. I think, and I mean he still loves it. <laughs> He's done a few of those. He was in New Orleans, Chicago. But um, so have you? Are you working on anything else? Have you been reached out to lately? I know you're in Washington now. I don't know how that's maybe changed your outlook. No, you know that's I haven't been asked to do uh, anything else uh, as of late. Uh, I wouldn't be sad if I get a phone call and you know someone wants me to be a part of something. I'd happily fly to preferably New Mexico to be a part of whatever production they want. Here in uh, Washington, you know, the film industry isn't like it used to be. I think you know we all saw Sleepless in Seattle and Harry and the Hendersons and those movies that were shot here. Most recently. Uh, Super Intelligence, which is on HBO Max with Melissa McCarthy. Those were all shot here, but everything else that depicts Seattle is usually shot in Vancouver. And only recently have they decided to try to attract film back. So at least for any movies or TV shows in Seattle, I will not be a part of those because they don't exist currently. So um, I think we already made it clear that we overwhelmingly liked Army of the Dead, but what is everybody's thoughts of this so far? I thought it was one of the better zombie movies you'll ever see uh there are definitely flaws to it but i had a great time and if this was the first movie you went back to in theaters you definitely did not have to bring like your you know think tank but you definitely will have a very strong plot and a lot of fun with it yeah you would definitely have a lot of fun with it it's uh, it's i love it because it doesn't take itself too seriously but then it does at the same time um, like Steve mentioned, the the news script for him seemed very realistic. It seemed very newsy, and it was also it was good. It was in place. You know, the, being in the news business, I think we all can agree we'll see a lot of TV shows and movies portray anchors or even reporters or producers, and it's very over the top, a little bit silly, and it that has a time and a place in different movies. But I do like that, you know, while this one has some serious stuff, it has some joking stuff, some fun stuff. There are some questionable moves, for sure, as you said. But um, I, I liked it, the editing. It's hilarious to me that the whole thing starts because a newly married couple decided to have a little bit of fun on a road. <laughs> and, and then somehow the United States was able to convince everybody in one city to quarantine. So it didn't spread anywhere else. But very good. <laughs> I think the military getting involved kind of helped. Uh, <laughs> uh, the the one thing I really liked too is that um, there were a lot of characters that got introduced to us early, and I said, "Well, this person's just here to die," but I was shocked at how many of these characters, including the ones that weren't leads, made me care about them, and I thought that was really strong. Especially, you don't see that often in horror movies. Yeah, I think we were talking about Chambers, was it? The um, the woman who, she they're in the hibernating zombies and she somehow makes her way out of that fighting like hell. And, I mean, she still ends up dying, which is surprising to me, but that was one of the better like zombie fight scenes I guess I've seen on camera in a long time. So I, that was exciting to see. Yeah, and, and, her, um, and her partner too was also a very strong character. And he was probably the one that came to mind where I was like, oh, well, this guy's just here to be you know, to get killed at some point. But I mean, he had some pretty epic scenes as well. Um, I really think for the most part, I, there will be some characters we're going to talk about we didn't like, but I, for the most part, I feel like everyone, they maximized everyone's screen time. Now, that's also part of the flaw with the movie is that, you know, in two hours and 
almost 30 minutes. Yeah, you better take advantage of all your characters because this movie does uh, stay a little longer than it probably should. It does. It does. Now, um, news anchor number two, can we guess what your favorite scene is? Yeah, you know, uh, that that was probably my 1A favorite scene. Um, but I, 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 my honestly, my favorite scene that did not involve me was the scene where uh, Dieter and Vanderhoe are, are trying to get to the vault and they're trying to get past the different uh, booby traps, if you will, uh, to get to the vault. That entire scene of, of them trying just to set it off is very comical to me. It is pretty hilarious. Now, I do have a. I know you said you don't have anything you can really give us secrets, but this is more of a movie in general question. Um, so in that scene, you know, they get over there and they have to crack the vault. Everybody knows. But um, if it's Tanaka's vault, why couldn't he just give him the code? And I don't, I don't want you to answer that question. My question is, like, when there's little plot holes like that, do people on set ever mention it or talk about it? And how does that go over? You know, I don't think that Eddie, a lot of people, and I'll just speak kind of just very generically, I don't think people give it too much. When you're in it, I don't think you think about those holes or anything like that. I think that you just trust that someone's thought that through. A lot of times you're just glad to have whatever gig that you've booked and you're just there to do it. You don't even think about any of the, the plot holes that may have existed or you know things. I, that's actually the first time you said that, the first time I even thought about that, so... Uh, very good point. Well, I mean, and I, and I think it could be a plot hole to a sense, but at the same time, I think that the way Zack Snyder wrote the whole character was it was it was supposed to be like he's done this before, he's had people go in there before, and every time they've died. So I think the idea was like he's not going to give them a code that they're never going to use, you know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, find me on the annual conspiracy <laughs> movie conspiracy podcast. <laughs> G- Gerald's job is like to point out the plot holes. Mine is to like overanalyze the characters, and Gerald and is just work. yeah, yeah, yeah. Camera work. That's that's my. Yeah, but Gerald is the one who just like if there's a plot hole, Gerald is just has already scooped it out, and he always brings out ones that I'm like, oh, I never would have thought of that either. Okay. <laughs> Well, my favorite thing in my free time, which I'd never have any being in news, is looking IMDb tr- goofs and trivia thing. Those things are always fun. <laughs> they are. Um, okay, so I'll get to my uh, my favorite scene. I think the, the first five minutes, maybe even longer than that, of this movie. I mean, I, I saw a movie review earlier said this could honestly be one of the best opening credits in all of cinema history. And I don't think that's too much of a hot take. I think the the introduction, the first scene, which is just extremely suspense, suspenseful, which introduces us, I guess, to the alpha for the first time, um, and then goes into that opening credits, which is just pure insanity, but so beautiful at the same time, and really does a great job of introducing you to a lot of the main cast members. I, I thought it was so much fun. So exciting and and really, I think hooked me on the movie. With it could have the rest of the movie could have been a train wreck from there on out, but I was so hooked after those opening credits that I was at least going to watch till the end. 
and now that my dogs are done barking, I will weigh in too. Um, I did like the opening credits too, Ryan, because if you pay attention to it, there's this character arc between this mom and this daughter in there that's not in the rest of the movie, but the opening credits tells their entire story. And you you somehow like start caring for these characters by the end of this like two minute opening credit scene. And it kind of ends with them dying. And it's just so clever that he opened uh, the movie this way. I really like that a lot, too. That is a great point. Good job, Jeff. I like that. <laughs> I, I had some extra time to think about it after uh, <laughs> after all the chaos that was coming uh, around right. here. Yeah. Um, I think a scene we all liked uh, before we even came on was the scene where Chambers battles the dead and unfortunately falls by the end of it, but it is absolute insanity. Yeah. Talk about going like that's one of the best best death scenes I've seen in a movie in a really long time because she, she went out like a badass. Like there's no other way to describe it, man. Like uh, the, the bad guy was throwing all these obstacles her way and she got out of almost all of them and she would have lived too. Um, had it not been, helped. yeah. Had it not been for like that last sabotage. So well, if her uh, friends had just helped. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I noticed the same. I said the same thing, Gerald. I was like, they're all standing right there and they've all yeah. got a lot of ammunition. Why aren't yeah. they shooting? Like Guzman was like six feet away. Homeboy could have easily been there to help. He instead he just freaked out. I mean, he, he got cold shoulder. It's okay, man. It happens. <laughs> And then he Dave Batista's sitting there like, oh, we got to go. We got to go. I'm like, wait a minute. Why don't y'all actually help? You don't have to go yet. Yeah. Steve, you have any other favorite scenes? You know, that, that chamber scene is great. I think when she popped out of the, the window, because I, I wrote her off. I thought, okay, once he locked her into that, with that, uh, blocked off that door, there's no way she's getting out. It's over for her. Uh, and so when she came out, I I got really excited, thinking that this is it, she's going to make it. Um, but I think also the way she she wound up dying, and the, what we saw later on is they used quite a bit of uh, explosions in in the movie, which I got a real kick out of. Yeah, they do they do do that, and that, it's some of the fight scenes did have like that Justice League kind of feeling that very Zack Snyder-ish feeling, the slow-mo, up-close, big explosions, insane amount of action happening at once, throwing robots into the zombies randomly. I mean, it was very Zack Snyder movie, I'll tell you that much. He did a great job of shooting this movie, and I believe he's the director of photography for it too, so he, he gets credited for the cinematography, and I thought the cinematography was was really strong. And I think that the justice league shots that you mentioned worked with this one a little bit more like with a zombie movie like this, you can get away with getting overboard with the slow motion as opposed to a superhero movie. So I think that the things that he carried over with the justice league and the style he does with, with, with his movies traditionally just fit better with this movie compared to some others. Yeah. Um, yeah, just the CGI, the practical effects, everything about this was great. Uh, one of the best effects in this movie uh, was the tiger. A zombie tiger is something we've never seen before. You know, we've seen zombie dogs in Resident Evil. 
you you see like the the tiger lurking throughout this entire movie and when he finally does attack and he attacks the bad guy martin i think it really does pay off because it's just so brutal to watch that and um i also and really and we get a lot of zombie movies where you get one type of zombie or maybe maybe two if you're lucky i think we got like four different types here we got the type that like they dried up and they come back out whenever it rains, something like that at the very beginning. We never saw them get Alpha, his followers, normal zombies, walkers, stragglers, and we get the robot zombies that show up randomly throughout the movie. So it was pretty, pretty intense. I like to have different kinds and also to see kind of that evolution of zombie, I guess you could say, throughout the movie itself. Yeah, and like speaking of zombies and everything like that. There was one thing I was a little disappointed in and and it was with Vanderhoe. So he's like carrying around this saw the entire movie and you think he's going to use it, but he never kind of mows down any zombies with it. That was the one thing I did want to see. Yeah. The only time we saw him use that was when um, he had one of the characters cutting into a wall as like a construction worker, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little, little, and like, I remember whenever he first brought it up, he's like, I'm going to use, I don't remember the exact words, but it was something along the lines, like, I'm going to use this, and it legit never got used. But yeah, stuff happens. I, I almost feel like that they may have shot a couple scenes, and they just got, did make the final cut. There's got to be some backstory behind that, because, yeah, I mean, you see him use it in the opening credits, and you're kind of looking forward to seeing him use it, potentially in a final showdown or something like that, or even just in general, but yeah, you never see it again. Yeah, like, and I'm wondering, you know, maybe this had something to do with the uh, Tig Notaro having to be reshooting. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the original film looked like with um, excuse me, I'm blanking on his name, but the comedian who ended up having all the accusations on him. But um, I do know, you know, Tig was in the movie quite a bit, so I'm wondering if maybe some of those scenes where he did end up using the chainsaw were with the other actor before the reshoots. And Jared, why don't you get into the backstory with that so the audience knows? Yeah, so Tig Notaro, um, she came into the Army of the Dead to re- replace Chris D'Elia. Um, Chris D'Elia is a comedian, has a um, few sexual predator accusations, I think is what it is. Um, so Zack Snyder, just instead of reshooting the whole film, it was late into the pro- production process from what I've reported, from what I've found reported. And um, couldn't really get everybody back. I mean, obviously COVID's a thing. It's been a thing for a while. So having all those people come back at once to reshoot a huge majority of the film was not going to happen. So Tig Notaro took over. She did a great job. Um, If you watch the movie closely, and Steve said he's seen it a few times, so I'm wondering if he probably noticed before it was ever even brought up. But um, this, um, if you look at it closely, she's never with anybody else other than Chambers in in one scene, and it's whenever they're on top of the hotel when they get to the chopper. Yeah, I saw uh, a, a couple of interviews with her explaining the process. And you're right. The only time she was with anybody was when she uh, shot that one scene. Everything else was all green screen. It was all in uh, a studio. Um, and I I never – I knew before I saw it the first time. But uh, it was one of those things that I knew and I forgot all about. And so – I had a really tough time finding those moments when it was obvious. The, the one time when it was really the most obvious to me was when um, Scott and Cruz met up with uh, Peters at the airport 
when they tried to essentially recruit her for the job. But other than that, there, there was no other point. Even when she told the one guy to, to hold his gum up and called him a dummy. That looked like everybody was together. I mean, I thought that was, however Zach did it, I thought it was very well done. And I, I was oblivious to it. I, I wasn't aware of this story. And if somebody would, I mean, you, when, when I, when I found this out, I, I did not know. So that's, that's a huge credit to the actors and the crew for pulling this off. I just want to point out, I love when Batista went berserk. That was in probably my second favorite action scene in this whole movie. Yeah, and we haven't really talked about Batista yet, but he he's just kind of become like the modern day action star, which is really cool because, you know, me and Ryan are are pretty big WWE fans. And to see him kind of uh, start from to uh, start his career in like direct to DVD mode, eventually Guardians of the Galaxy and going to this uh, is it's just really cool to see. And I, I thought he was great in this movie. He didn't have a lot of dialogue, but it was more of a physical performance. I thought, um, I, I really did enjoy him, um, as the lead in a movie for the very first time. And I think what I like about that scene, I believe it's all one shot the whole time. And, and I don't know what the backstory is behind the, the, how they shot this, but it looks like there's probably a lot of stunt men just flying around being tossed by Dave, which Dave's done a lot in his career because he obviously was in professional wrestling. And so these guys probably had to sell a lot of uh, Dave's strength. And I, I thought it was really entertaining. Uh, who does everyone have down for number one? Honestly, it's, it's going to be a little bit of a surprise for me. I like Peters. I like Tignataro as the pilot and just the backstory and everything that we talked about earlier in the show. I thought she was, you know, she was obviously the comedic relief in this movie, but she did such a great job. And she kind of seamlessly blended into this whole entire movie. Uh, she was my favorite character anytime she was on scene. Okay, yeah. So I'm going Dave Bautista 100% on this one. I liked him. I loved his action scenes. I thought the emotion was there with his daughter. I thought the relationship may have been a little weird and some of the questionable actions, like letting your daughter come into a zombie zone for a friend that you could easily find, was a little questionable to me. But I did enjoy his... Um, performance excuse me and i've like i was trying to say a minute ago i thoroughly enjoyed him i love him in guardians of the galaxy i love him in the avengers movies and i liked i really liked him in my spy i know that was a little comedy a little just fun movie but i think like what you guys said he's become that little like up and coming he's doing really well from the wwe to the acting transition um kind of reminds me of like Dwayne the rock johnson level like he's gonna start getting a lot of movies and i'm okay with that give me more dave bautista Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, I don't, I, I'm having a little issues of who I'm going to put at number one, but I'm going to go with Ludwig. Cause I do think he did have probably one of the most complete character arcs of this whole movie. Um, he starts off, he's the guy who is essentially supposed to be the nerd and supposed to be the wimp. And he's just there for his brain. And he has one task to do one task only. And you have all these characters who are tasked with protecting him. That's pretty much their job is to keep this guy alive. And in the last scene, when they get into that vault, number one, he stands up to Dave Batista's character, which is a huge step in his confidence from where he starts. But it also ends with him. He's, he's tagged with a guy who's supposed to protect him and pretty much has made it clear. He says, you stay behind me. 
I'm protecting you, keeping you alive this whole time. But in the end, really, he keeps that character alive because he's the one who steps up in the situation. And the last time we see him is him shutting the vault as he's getting mauled alive by a bunch of zombies. So I think it's a complete character arc. And he's probably one of my favorite ones that I sex since I've watched the movie. Well, this may not uh, be everybody's favorite or probably anybody's favorite, but I, I really enjoyed Guzman. I think one of the things that really attracted me to this character is the fact that uh, when he was offered the amount, his response was just to tell him who he had to kill, and he was on board. And the entire time he was out there, he was just having a good time. It started with the selfies that he took with Chambers, to just every time he got a chance to shoot his gun, he was just ex- just showing his excitement. Uh, and uh, then he, you know, he, he he died in in probably a very explosive way. And so I, I think that for me, I really enjoyed watching that character throughout and his interaction with the other characters as well. Yeah, um, Guzman was definitely one of those. If Gen Z or a younger millennial was in a zombie apocalypse, this is how they would act. And I think he played it perfectly. Like you said, I, I loved it. He was hilarious. Everybody else was like, yeah, that's that's some change. That's some change. He's just like, let me, let's do it, man. I'll take 20K. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved it. I, I also loved that that whole, like, I mean, it's a little off track, but that whole getting your team together. And then every time he went to somebody else, it was less and less money. <laughs> I thought that yeah. was pretty. I mean, none of them ended up with any money, so it kind of makes the whole thing a wash. But it was just something I probably would do myself if I was just getting a bunch of random people that may or may not die. <laughs> um, I had a, uh, I had Vander on it number uh, number two. I thought he was just the most likable one. He was a total badass. Um, his interactions with Ludwig were extremely fun, and. You know, just I was so happy to find out he lived at the end and I was extremely heartbroken to find out that he had gotten bit uh, in the end as well. So I, I don't know. There was just something about that character. And, and when he's fighting the alpha, I'm literally terrified that he's going to die at any minute. Um, so I, he just made me care. And also, you know, they got into his backstory. I believe he lost his whole family in the initial apocalypse from what they were saying in the opening credits. Um, so I I don't know. He, he, he just he had that demeanor to him that just sold the audience on making you want to care about this guy and want you to see him make it through, even though kind of how the plot is written and how these movies traditionally go, he's got the odds stacked against him. Yeah. yeah. yeah sorry, go ahead, Jeff. Oh, yeah. I was going to say Vanderhoe is going to be number two for me and Lud- Ludwig probably three. I'm going to group them together because they had great chemistry together. And that's something that I, I read uh, that Zack Snyder felt too that he kind of just watched them work and, you know, they kind of bonded offset by going to the gym and everything like that. And it really shows on screen. Like if both of these characters were in a sequel, had one of them not getting gotten bit, I would, I would watch that movie 100%. Like um, it's, they, they just had the best chemistry out of anybody in the entire movie. I have to absolutely agree with you, Jeff. I I can't say it any better than that. <laughs> All right, Steve, who you got for number two? 
I think, I think, yeah, Jeff, you are on the money. Like the, you, you have to kind of pair them together. I think that uh, the way, as we saw things ended for Dieter, uh, for Vanderhoe, um, that was, that was really cool to watch because, you know, as we all know, the, the relationship was not the smoothest up front. And so for it to essentially end for Dieter that way, that was, that was really cool to see. Yeah, if I'm trying to go back and look at the movie right now, but I think Vanderhoe had like he was like a master or doctorate of like psychology or something before this, so I just think it's pretty pretty because they gave you the, the little preview in the beginning opening credits, but it, I loved them both. They were both great for sure. I think I'm gonna switch. I think I'm gonna put Vanderhoe at number one now. I don't want to be that guy, but uh, for number three, I have. Um... This is really, but I have Guzman at number, number three, um, for all the reasons Steve said, I, when this character got introduced, uh, I've said this earlier, I thought he was just there to die. Um, I did not know what his purpose was going to be, but from the minute he steps on screen, you're, you're intrigued. And then all the way up until he does eventually die, he was just a load of fun they also had an emotional side to him. The fact that he had to watch his friend get killed very early on in the uh, the Las Vegas voyage. And and by the end of it, I, I was just so shocked by how much I cared about this character and how entertaining he was throughout the whole movie, but from both an emotional side and a comedic side. Yeah, I like Guzman too. Um, he, he would probably be four for me. I'll just round out my top five real quick because we've mentioned them all. So yeah. Um, four would be Guzman and five would be uh, Dave Bautista's character for all the reasons that you guys said. Gerald, you yeah. want to round out your top five? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'd, Chambers, I'm putting Chambers here at number five just because of that one fight scene. I don't care about anything else. The whole day was the best. I think that was my favorite scene in the whole movie. And if she had lived, it would have been even, she would have been higher on the li- this list, but because she died, she is down to number five. And also, um, I really do enjoy um, taking Nataro as um, Peters in this, even though, like, I know it's just, it, the way they were able to reshoot all this and it seemed effortless, it didn't seem like some big issue in it. Um, I, I think that has to do with a lot of Tig's talent, and I'm really happy with what I'm. Um, the final product was there. All right, Steve, you want to round at your top five and I'll do mine. So I'll say Peters, Tignataro's Peters for number three. I think that really, yeah, the, the comedic uh, way she was able to deliver those lines and the way Tignataro was funny. That was really well done. Uh, I would say for four, I would go with Chambers. I wish we had seen more of her. I really, the part that bummed me out the most was when she did die uh, and then the other death that really bummed me out that I didn't see coming until it happened was uh, Cruz, my number five, Cruz. I hated that uh, she died in that moment, um, which, you know, my honorable mention is Scott. The, the way Batista reacted to that death in the moment and then had to jump into survival mode, I thought Dave, the actor, did a great job in handling that transition. I, I agree. Only problem with me with that whole thing was um, we don't know their background all that much. We get a little bit of it, 
I just wish there was a little bit more. And I know it's a two and a half hour movie and I'm telling you to make it longer. But um, <laughs> I definitely think like, you know, if they were to make a prequel of this one day, because there's that whole opening credits. And the way I watched the opening credits and tell me if you guys disagree is it, it kind of seemed to me as if this team, a majority of it had already fought the initial zombie apocalypse together, which is why they were like, hey, get the team back together. Kind of like a, um, a reincarnation of the A-team where they're like, they, they're retired, they're done doing it, they're just trying to live their life, and then now someone's like, here's millions of dollars, get the team back together, go out there and kick some zombie ass. And I do think that, like, you know, maybe if we got, like, a prequel or maybe even just a few more minutes explaining that, like, after Dave's wife died, he, like, him and Kate, him and, I'm um, like, Kate Cruz were closer. Um, maybe. I feel like that would have been a little more emotional. But, again, we're talking about a zombie movie at the end of the day. So, what did happen was more than passable um uh, i i agree Uh, and and gerald off of that point um i think this left the door open for a lot of options for how to expand this universe and i think that's what Zack snyder was kind of going for you know you have prequel options you have sequel options there's a lot to do with this and we'll do theories before we get off here later on but um my my top five ends with uh batiste at number four and maria at number five um i thought Dave definitely stepped up to the plate. I love that scene where she dies and he goes berserk mode and is just chucking zombies and slashing them left and right. Um, And the the facial expressions just sell you. I mean, he looked so he had just the perfect face for a guy who was ticked off, but also heartbroken at the same time. And that's not easy to pull off. So I was very impressed. And plus, he always has the physical traits to pull that scene off as well. Um, and then Maria's death was, was very powerful. Probably one of the ones that hit you the most. And I think that I just wanted to know more about the story by the end of it. And I think that's a compliment to the, the actors, the actresses and uh, the writing that kind of sold you on their relationship that, Oh, I wanted to hear more about it, even though it's already a long movie. So I, I think uh, she'll be five for that reason. Yeah. Right, so we should go ahead. Oh yeah. Uh, as far as like honorable mentions go, um, I, I did like the bad guy Martin, even though he was super obvious that he was the bad guy the entire time. Um, and there's the dogs again. Yeah, I'm just gonna spurn off a little bit what Jeffrey was going toward. Is Martin might as well have been just called bad guy number one. I mean, can we can we agree on that? Yes, and he's not in my honorable mention he's actually on my least favorite characters for the reasons jeff said he was just too obvious i mean i thought they were gonna go with like the angle that oh yeah he works for this guy but he's not the same person as the other guy is you know he's actually got a conscience to him and that he actually oh the team actually can trust this guy because he's going to be very useful but i mean like the minute they, they call him out on it, then he just does exactly what they're calling him out on, which is be a, a bad guy. Yeah. And then it was just too obvious. It, was, it, it seemed like it lacked creativity. And, I mean, yeah, it did have a nice little conclusion, which is him getting destroyed by that tiger. But it just felt, I don't know, just a little too mailed in. Yeah, well, I mean, and I'm, 
I'll get into this when we get more into our least favorite, but a lot of our least favorite probably all have a lot in common where they're a little more flat performances, a little bit flat character-wise. And that's kind of the issue you get when you have such a large main cast and the real villain is just zombies. You know, you can have a secondary villain, but at the end of the day, he's not going to have anything against zombies who can run, jump, speed, ride freaking horses and have a tiger. He's not going to hold a light candle to them. So... And you might as well start off your least favorite characters. We kind of already got into that. Yeah, that's fine. All right, so um, I'm just going to round them all off at five and keep it real quick. Uh, Kate Ward with Ella Purnell. I don't think it's Ella's fault. I think it's just, um, I I know what Zack Snyder and them were trying to do. There was just too many questionable, like, why did that happen? Why did that have to happen? Um, I think her and Dave's relationship was somewhat believable. But um, in the parts, whatever... They did well with what they were given is what I'm going to try to end up with. Um, Burt Cummings, um, Theo, played by Theo Rossi, mainly because he was just pointless and a dick, nonetheless. Um, and then I'll go with um, Greta, because she was pointless. And uh, there was another one that I wanted to go with, uh, Tanaka, because like I said, I feel like he needed a little bit more behind him. And then Martin, of course, um, with... Uh, Garrett Dillahunt, I just wasn't a fan of him. We've kind of already hit on that. He was very clearly the bad guy with a mustache working behind the scenes. All right, Steve, do you have any you didn't like? You can you can pass on this one if you want to, since these are technically your coworkers. <laughs> you know, there actually there are some I didn't like, uh, but I think what I will say though for me is I was not a fan of Martin. Uh, Garrett Delahunt, and but it's a very unique reason why. And for me, I loved the TV show Raising Hope. And if you've ever watched that show, Garrett Delahunt plays one of the most lovable idiots ever. And for me, that is his wheelhouse. And so to watch him play this role, it was a it was a little awkward for me as a Raising Hope fan to watch this play out. And I think that's why I really never got behind the, oh, yeah, you're a bad guy. It was just like, oh, well, you're you're trying to be a bad guy, but you're just so <laughs> aloof naturally that I'm not buying it. <laughs> that's great. And so pretty much this is why John Krasinski's such a great actor, right? Like yes, you know, everyone's like, like, oh, Jim, he'll, Jim will never be able to be taken seriously as an action star. Oops. Oh, wait, now he is. Okay. And director. <laughs> yeah. He's been taken so seriously. He's going to be fantastic for just from <laughs> because of what the public wants. But um, a, a bad characters for me. Um other ones, I, Gerald. I really agree with most of what you said. Um, uh, Kate Ward's Kate Ward was kind of uh, I don't know. I feel like there's just a lot of plot holes with with her what she did. I feel like a lot of the stuff she did got a lot of people killed, and that's kind of one of the issues I had. And then yeah, Gita. I mean, they went through all that trouble for this character, and she just ended up dying anyway. Um, so that that was just a little. You know, a little bit of plot hole, I, I guess, would be the word for that one. But well, if you look at it, if, is this movie really about five or multiple heroes going into Vegas and stealing money? Or is it about multiple bad guys invading a new species home, killing their queen, 
and just taking off while their people nuke them, nuke your home. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, like, I really wish we got more of Zeus. Um, and I'm not putting him in the bad character ranking because I just wish there was more of him, Zeus. Um, and just the alphas in general, I wish we could know more about him, which we'll get into a little bit later. It's just another reason why this movie could spurn off so many different spinoffs or prequels. Did, did we like Lily? That's the one character I feel like we haven't mentioned as good or bad. Uh, I have her, like, honorable mention bad. <laughs> it's just like there were some characters that were like, oh, yeah, that's a coyote. And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna play that coyote. You know, she was very human smugglerish in the sense of like, oh, I feel bad, but I do what I have to do to get the people what they want and stuff like that. Like, it just it seemed a little flat to me. And she could have easily killed Martin like five times and just let him live. <laughs> I'm I'm over her. All right, Steve, anything else you want to mention before we get into our final rankings? No, you know, I think, um, you know, Cummings is another person who I just wasn't a fan of at all. I think it was a mustache. Um, yeah, and, and Joe, what you were saying about Lily is, is, is so true. I think one of the, is, you know, you're talking about holes in the movie. What is, if you're a coyote, you're doing your job for currency and if she's been doing this for as long as she has why does she keep doing it and the just the what we're told is she's trying to to make things right at the end and i i wasn't buying it yeah i, I wasn't buying it one bit that and um and kind of similar with your explanation of um why you didn't like um, martin with um garrett dillahunt theo rossi was also um, in Luke Cage and he was Shades. So he's already a bad guy. So I already didn't like him. And then him being in this and being an even worse guy, like trying to sexually assault these women in a camp. And then whenever they kill him off and he's over here crying and begging for help, I'm like, I don't feel bad for you, my man. You play a dirtbag and everything. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that's a bad character if the, you hate yeah. the guy. I mean, your, your job is to, we're supposed to hate the character. I just feel like. Uh, was no, he... I mean, I don't think it's the actor's fault. I'm thinking, like, yeah. in the sense uh, of, like, I couldn't get any kind of, like, I feel any kind of sympathy for the guy. Yeah, well, my issue was is that he was hateable, but you were never given – he never really truly felt like a threat. You know, like, when he finally was put with the group, it was like, okay, any one of these people could beat you, beat the crap out of you if they wanted to. And that's literally what they did the minute they got inside Las Vegas is that they just sacrificed him right to the alphas. So it, it was kind of like, I, I guess if they would have like combined him and Martin's character where he would have been like dangerous and also a complete monster. And I think that could have been a, ter- a terrifying character um, that could have been a, been a great villain. But yeah, it was just kind of like he just, I don't know. He he was hateable, but like he, he didn't really scare me. If if that makes sense. Absolutely, absolutely. 
All right, so let's get to our rank, final ratings, rankings of this movie, Army of the Dead. Um, I'll start off for me. I have this as an all-star. I think there are some issues with this movie, but they are the movie in general, the action, the shooting, the cinematography, a majority of the characters are so good. I think the, any of the flaws are pretty easy to look past. And that's saying a lot for a movie that is two and a half hours long. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you, Gerald. I'm going to give this an all-star too. Uh, and like I said earlier, two and a half hours feels like nothing when it, when you watch this movie. It's just nonstop action. Um, the characters are great. They really, you you know, let you get to know them um, in, a, in a really cool way. Uh, and they all have their kind of unique traits and everything. Um, solid all-star. I'm probably going to watch this more than one time. And that's kind of where it's going to stand for me. It's one of the better zombie movies we've seen. Um, I've seen, and I thoroughly enjoy zombie theme movies. So for me to sit here and be like, this is an all-star and it's better than a majority, if not all the zombie movies I've seen, I I definitely feel like it has to be an all-star. But Ryan? I'm going to, I wanted to give this a high starter when we came into this, but I I think you guys have kind of sold me. I'm going to give it an all-star. I think this was, um, for all the reasons we've talked about, I never thought I'd care so much about all the characters that were involved in as many of the characters I cared about. Uh, I thought there would just be a couple that I was invested in, but by the end of it, I was invested in almost all of them that were in the crew. So I, I think that was very impressive that they pulled this off in a zombie movie, which you just don't really get too often. And, and I think this really could re re re-energize this um this genre and i think five years from now if we're still talking about this movie then it's uh, our our review of this is only going to get backed up well i I would i would agree with all of you all stars where it's at for me uh and and not because i'm in it but because i am not a zombie lover liker there's no interest in my mind for zombies i don't get it that's just me uh, but I liked this movie. There was something that Zack Snyder did about making a zombie movie that made this really interesting to me. And for those people who don't like zombie stuff, you get a, a heist within it. And I think for me to find such a cool way to combine the two is very, very cool. And for Netflix on the business side, I mean, this to have invested this much money into it and to have such a, a, a big movie to finally be out there like this. I, I think they've got to be feeling good knowing that they gave the keys to Zack Snyder and, and he came out with this. Yeah. Zack Snyder's definitely a hot name right now. If you can attach him to one of your films, I think uh, you're probably going to be doing pretty well. Yeah, And I would prefer for him to stick to these types of movies. Cause I just feel like it's such a good marriage between the two. Um, yeah. And 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 from what I understand, I don't believe this movie's budget exceeded a hundred million. From what I've seen and have heard, uh, it was it was close to ninety. I think that's pretty much what they left it. They they definitely made the most out of ninety million. That because it, it feels like a two hundred million dollar production. Um, so that says a lot. And yeah, it's well, a it's a beautiful movie too. Like the cinematography is is great. I know that Zack Snyder used a lot of natural light and everything. Like he wanted to specifically shoot this movie at dusk, and it took a little bit longer to shoot. But man, I, I think it paid off in the long run. 
Yeah, and I think you really, if you guys get some time, Netflix also released a little show. I think it's like four episodes or something, uh, making the um, making Army of the Dead, and it's little just back like behind the scenes stuff goes over all the makeup, all the different stuff they used to create a Las Vegas because obviously they didn't shoot it in Vegas; it was shot in New Mexico. So, um, but a lot of the different things they used and tricks to get the real feel of being in Vegas during an apocalypse. Um, and the fact that they did all that with a budget that wasn't that big is pretty amazing. Uh, one other thing, I think his use of music. Um, Zack Snyder likes to do covers of classic songs uh, to kind of modernize them. I think they worked better in this movie than they worked, say, in like Justice League. Mm-hmm. That Viva Las Vegas at the top was great. Very well done. <laughs> Yeah, because anytime you have a movie with Las Vegas, you have to play that song at least once, I think. I think it's probably in the the guidelines of a contract when you decide your movie's going to be based in Vegas. But um, to, to be able to get it that way, I, it was a lot better than, you know, because sometimes we'll be watching Vegas movies and we'll hear that song and I'm like, okay, I'm over it. Stop it. But this time I wasn't annoyed by it. I agree. No, that, that was a beautiful beautiful soundtrack especially at the beginning of the movie so best vegas movie since the hangover by a long shot so before we go we just keep this real quick this movie obviously left open a lot of branches that it could go it could go in the future where um how um the zombies the zombie virus is now out there and not just in vegas even though they were able to nuke it um we can go into the past we could look at prequels into all the characters you could even just do a prequel and deeper deeper dive into the alphas and how they worked because there was a point in that movie where the alpha had the king um excuse me zeus had taken out a baby zombie um you could also go into the fact that there were random robot zombies in that movie so what were they doing there why were they there was the government spying on anybody still living in or using them for research um so i think there's a lot of ways we can go into this but what do you guys think um we could what do you think we'll see first and then steve if they called you saying we're going to do a prequel or a sequel will you sign up immediately uh yes yes to your question yes after seeing the movie yeah if they called me to do anything if, if, if it's zach snyder's involved yes i will do it um no you know t- to i think that we are going to see some stuff i think a couple of my thoughts are one um we are, I believe we are going to see uh, an animated prequel. I don't know what that looks like, but I do believe that is in the works. Um, and I, I, I believe that a sequel is possible as well, because here's my thought on the sequel. Yes, Vanderhoe was bit. But how long did it take for him to go from leaving Las Vegas to finally noticing some sort of like symptoms of being bit it took quite a while so by using that timeline slash theory we could see him in a second movie taking over mexico city possibility yeah that's what they were teasing and my issue with that is there is like somewhat of a a a a plot hole would you say there because i just feel like with his character and, and the guy we watched over the last two and a half hours would he be smart enough to like stop himself from doing that? Like, 
I feel like he would have been like the first one to raise his hand, be like, hey, someone shoot me real quick. I'm about to turn into a zombie. Like, we really don't want another outbreak. So just, you know, take me out real quick. You know? Yeah. Well, and then, like, throughout the movie, when these people would get bitten, they turned rather quickly. Um, so, like, really, how long was he just out there? And then, um, also, wasn't he in a nuke? How did he survive? That's what I was. Like, yeah, you think you think he'd have tons of radiation in his body by that point, and it would be not reacting well. So, oh, who knows? Maybe the maybe the bite gave him some type of immunity. I don't know. Maybe. Um, one one idea I had for a sequel is um, you know, we never saw Lily die on screen. Um, maybe she got bit and she becomes the alpha because I, I think it's a possibility. Um, you know, she, her character was definitely strong enough to like have that presence if she were to turn. So yeah, possible. Well, I definitely think it's, it's interesting. And I don't think that was done. Any of this was done on accident. I definitely think it was on purpose because in today's movie universe, you have to almost like it, you make so much more money by having a universe of movies and the MCU has really spurred that on. Um, you make a movie now, if you can find a way to have sequels, prequels, movies related to it, you're going to make money for a long time. Unless it's the dark universe, right? Unless it's like the DCEU because they just can't find a way to not screw that up. Oh, they're still making tons of money, though. They're still screwing it up, Ryan. That's all that matters. How, how now, though? Like, uh, Shazam <laughs> was good. I liked Aquaman. Just let the, let the narrative ride. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Steve, thank you so much for joining us. This was a lot of fun. It is good to finally, uh, I think it's the first time we met. And Yeah, yeah. Listen, I, I, I listen to you guys. I, I think you guys have a very entertaining podcast. And so this is honestly, and don't take offense, but right after being in this film, this is probably the second best piece of entertainment I've been a part of in 2021. That is a great compliment. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. We're trying very hard to keep this thing going and um, we'll definitely make sure to tag you whenever we get this with this one um, published. Yeah, Steve, thanks for coming on. Uh, sorry, my dogs are going insane the entire time, but uh, yeah, it was really exciting to have you on and anytime you want to come on, um, just let us know and we'll, we'll get you back. Absolutely. We'd love to have him back. Well, thanks, guys. I have to do another movie, though, right? Is that the thing? I need to appear nope. in something else? Well, nope. you know what? Um, if I end up... No, nah. <laughs> never mind. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, we thank you so much for joining us. We know you have a lot of options when it comes to podcasts, but we're happy you joined us here on Box Office Quarterbacks for some good friends and real talk. We'll see you later. Bye.